Hey everybody, it's Charles from HumbleMechanic.com. Today I'm taking your questions on transmission fluid, check engine lights, discontinued parts, and more. This is episode 211 of the Humble Mechanic Podcast. All right, so if you want to get a question on a show like this, email me, charles at HumbleMechanic.com. Put question for Charles in the subject, ask question right at the top, mash that enter button, then give me some space and give me the details of your question below. That applies whether you're watching the show on YouTube or whether you're listening to the audio-only podcast. Remember, if you want to listen only, you can check out the audio version of the podcast on all of your favorite podcasting platforms, or head over to HumbleMechanic.com and listen to it there. If you don't see your question on a show like this, be sure to check out the Quick Videos playlist on YouTube where I do one question per video. All right, let's talk about the sponsor of the day, which is CRP Automotive. CRP deals in a ton of OE maintenance and repair parts, timing belt kits, suspension components, and even fluids. In fact, they make the factory DSG fluid for Volkswagen and Audi. So check them out at crpautomotive.com. And hey, remember, if you want to help support the show, get exclusive content as well as discounts to places like Prime Sunglasses, MT Knives, Sonic Tools, Eastwood, Black Forest Industries, and more, check out the crew membership program. It's a great way to help support the show, but more importantly, get a ton of awesome discounts. There's a link down in the description where you can learn all about the discounts, all about the exclusive content, as well as the VW Audi training manuals that we build for the VW Audi repair classes that we teach. All right, with all that wrapped up, let's get into your questions. First one comes from a man, Dark Sim, who is it's actually this dude right here on, on uh, my toolbox. He asks, what options does someone have if they're looking for a discontinued part? This is something I've been running into, not a ton, but a pretty fair amount on the GTI, and I was running into it all the time when I was doing the VR6 swap on the Cabriolet. Not really on the engine part side, but all the little knick-knacky body parts and trim pieces and connector ends and wire brackets, all that stuff can be really challenging to find from the dealership. I'm really lucky that I still have an amazing relationship with the dealer that I used to work at, and my man Hendrick is my go-to dude for parts. In fact, I texted him this morning to uh, try and round up some bolts for me so we can do the coilovers on the GTI, because you really do want to replace all that hardware uh, when doing this kind of work. So when you have a good person at the dealership in the parts department, that really is an awesome resource because they can do more, or I should say they will do more because let's face it, they can all do more. They'll do more than just go, I don't have it in stock. They can look at other dealerships. They can do cross-referencing. They can do all kinds of extra stuff, but they gotta, you, you know, you gotta like take care of them, right? So maybe bring them a, some cookies or a beer if they're gonna hook you up like that. So that's one thing is having a really good dude or chick at the parts window. Next is start to source aftermarket. You have to be really careful depending on the part because some aftermarket parts are absolute garbage, straight up garbage. But we can look in the aftermarket world, you know, we can look to Black Forest Industries because maybe they have a solution. Maybe Eurowise has developed a solution. I mean, they popularized the VR6 swap in the Mark I and they keep developing new things to overcome these solutions to parts not being, being available. But you can hit up Shop DAP because Maybe VW doesn't offer this valve anymore, but perhaps Bosch still makes it. The dealership won't go out, you know, for the most part, won't go outside their box of the way to get parts, but you call up Shop DAP, they might be able to source one. Next, we're gonna reach out to the community and hop on Facebook and go to the, you know, burn all the Mark III's group and say, hey, does anybody have XYZ part? or whatever car you're working on. There, 
trust me, whatever car you're talking about, there is a Facebook group, probably five, that revolve around that specific car or engine or whatever. There are so many out there. So hit hit that up and see if see if anybody has the part. Because there's a lot of people like me and people that are way either better or worse, depending on how you're looking at it, way better or worse about having parts. I mean, I got gobs and gobs and gobs of VW parts, everything from little tiny knick-knacky wire connectors up to a 1.4 liter engine underneath the, uh, in a crawl space. So people may have these parts and you may have to pay for them, right? You may have to break the wallet out and, and, and pay more than you think you should. But if that part is something you need, it's what you're gonna do. And finally for me, you know, and, and you can order these in whatever way you want, head to the salvage yard and cross your fingers, cross them, that someone has a car on their salvage yard lot that still has whatever part you need. And it's in good condition. And someone didn't destroy it trying to get the part right next to it out, right? Remember my selfish tool video, or the series of selfish tool videos that uh, Eric, Matt, uh, and I did for Pull Apart? You're rolling the dice, but you're rolling the dice with dealing with someone online and hoping they don't rip you off. I see stories about that crap all the time, which makes me furious. So Salvage Art is another one that you can try and hit up. And then there's kind of where I think the industry's going, which I'm super excited about, almost to the point where I'm ready to jump in on this as well, because there has been a few things that I can't find. Either they don't exist anymore, or they never existed, or they exist and turn right, and I need one that turns left. And that's 3D printing and custom parts. You can print whatever you want, really, within reason, with a 3D printer, and they're not that expensive. You know, a handful of hundreds of dollars, you can print your own parts, and that's awesome. So instead of having to replace the whole unit, you can print the little arm that's not available separately. So another, something that I don't think we're really there yet at scale, but small production, one, two, five, is awesome. And I promise you, if you go that route, if you need that part, there's odds are that someone else is gonna need it too, and maybe you can make a couple bucks by making them and selling them to the other folks that are just like you looking for that part. All right, I'm gonna answer Dark Sim's next question really quick, because you sent in two and you're a good dude and you've been a supporter of the show a long time. It says, in your opinion, is Erwin worthy enthusiast hobbyist who doesn't work on their own cars but likes to know as much as possible about their vehicle. Are there limitations on vehicles we can look up? I've had several friends with VWs and it's pretty awesome to have access to such information. So Erwin is the aftermarket version of the VW repair manual Elsa Webb. Is it worth it for a year subscription for a enthusiast? I don't think so because it's like 1500 bucks. Is it worth it for an enthusiast to buy a day here and a day here and a day here? I think so. It's like $30, $35 a day. You can download all that you want from Irwin. You can download the whole repair manual for your car from, you know, tip to tip and have it and save it and store it on a flash drive. I wouldn't recommend selling it to anybody because I'm sure that breaks the, uh, the rules, the rules that you signed that you read all of, right? That no one ever reads. I don't think a year is worth it for the most part, but I do think the daily subscription when you're feeling like, hey, I want to hop on and learn something. I haven't been on in two months. Let me jump on, pay $35, I can download a few things, see what new TSBs are out, and all that stuff. That's the way I would do it if I were going to. I would not pay for the full year, because if you're not using it every day, and you're not making money on it, that's a big pill to swallow. 
All right, next one up is from Eric. I have a 12 GTI that's throwing two codes, a P0011 and a P052 alpha. I've replaced the oil pressure switch, cam position sensor. I've replaced the oil pressure switch and the cam position sensor. The car cranks hard at first, but will fire up and drive. But when the car warms up, oil pressure light comes on. When you turn the car off, it will not start back up until it cools down. Ooh, what could be causing this issue with my car? Um, I'll be honest, I didn't read that last sentence till just now. <laughs> that throws a whole nother kind of awesome uh, as far as trying to figure out what's going on with it into the equation. So 0011 and 052 alpha are timing faults, right? Uh, correlation faults or over advanced faults for the camshafts. What could be happening? Dude, you got oil pressure issues for sure. You need, need, need to get an oil pressure gauge and hook it up and see what your oil pressure actually is. On that engine, it's ridiculously easy to check oil pressure. There's the oil filter can right on the top on the passenger side. Drop this much below where the bottom of the filter is or the top from the other way, and that's the oil pressure switch. Take that out and put the manual gauge in and monitor your oil pressure. Also, for some reason, they say those oil pressure switches always need to be replaced when you remove them. I wouldn't replace anything until I diagnose what's wrong with my car. This, this can be a big time deal. What sounds like is happening is your timing is, you know, you have your one can that can adjust timing. I think it's getting stuck. And that could be because bad oil pressure, that could be because the valve is failing, that could be because the screen inside of that bridge that connects the cams is broken and causing your oil pressure to be wonky and causing that, that timing to stick, um, that would make sense why it wouldn't start after it gets hot until it cools down and maybe kind of sets, sets itself back. The other really thing, dude, you need to check before you, before you start this car again, is you gotta check your tensioner, your timing chain tensioner. It's probably the old style, you know, you didn't mention how many miles you have, what the service history is like or anything like that. Gotta get that timing chain tensioner checked. I've done videos on Bought It, walk you through exactly how to check it, what it should look like, what it better not look like. Do that before the next time you hit that key because it could easily be the next time you hit that key is the time that the timing chain tensioner lets go. And now your oil pressure issues don't matter because you have eight vent intake valves and your engine is essentially toast. I'd be really leery of only putting a head on a car that had oil pressure issues um, before the timing chain tensioner failure. You can always start simple, and this, you know, this is the no-brainer one. Just check the oil level. Make sure it's good. Make sure it's the right oil. You know, did you put 20W50 in it? It's probably not gonna be real happy. Make sure you have the right oil. Make sure you have the right oil level. It could be an oil pump. It could be a timing issue. It could be, this has variable oil pressure. It could be the solenoid sticking the oil pressure all the way high. Um, maybe, but you got the potential to have some incredibly serious engine problems going on. I would not recommend starting this car until you check that timing chain tensioner, until you check the oil level, and even then I'm a little bit leery. I might be pulling that upper timing cover, checking timing and see are your timing marks lined up or is the intake cam all wonky. If you are not sure how to do some of this more advanced stuff, Dude, it's worth the tow bill to get it towed to a place that can. If they can salvage it now, it's not gonna be cheap, possibly, 
but it's gonna be way cheaper to salvage it than have to put a head on it and still have an unknown issue with oil pressure. So these kind of things make me incredibly nervous that it's gonna get put on the back. And I'm not saying you're, you're gonna do this, Eric, but I have seen so many people put this type of issue on the back burner, thinking I'll wait till it gets worse or it's only when it's hot. These are the red flags you gotta be paying attention to when your car's acting goofy. Pay attention to these kind of things when it's potential for engine damage. Big red flags, right? Big ra waving red, red flags. Pay attention to it if you're not sure how to do some of the things I talked about. Please get it towed. Please do not drive it. Get it towed to someone that can look at it and evaluate what's going on and give you a thorough diagnosis as well as a strategy to repair it. All right, next one comes from Kendall. I'm a fan of your videos and I'm wondering if you can answer questions about this particular engine. I've owned four Jettas, three being TDIs, and finally settled for a 2.0, normally aspirated or naturally aspirated if you prefer. I've owned the car for three months and it's been amazing. I'm trying to find out information about the motor, but no one seems to know much about it. It may not be a notable engine in terms of power, but I have been very impressed at its overall simplicity of this trim level. This is coming from a young guy who's never been behind the wheel of a 1.8 or a VR. Either way, thanks in advance for your time. Love the Humble Mechanic page. You've helped me understand a lot of weak points in these cars. One last note, I tell all my friends, VW Audi, to refer to your page for anything they want to know. You're awesome, man. Thanks again, and take care. Dude, thanks for referring the page. Um, I appreciate that, guys. All the shares of the videos are really awesome. Mention, hey, check this dude out on YouTube or his podcast or his website. Prime, I appreciate it. Uh, the two liter. I've done a couple of videos about it. I'll try and link up, you know, in the corners or down in the description. Or if you're listening, I'll link it over on Humble Mechanic so you can check that out. You didn't mention what year this two liter is, but that's okay because really, when you go all the way back to the Mark III, right, even a little bit further back in the in the older 1.8s, when you go back to the Mark III, the ABA two liter and you look at the newest two liter CPLA, I think, I don't recall exactly what the engine code is, they're not that different. They're almost the exact same engine. Um, so that shows you like, right, they're, it's been around a minute. So all the information is out there. But like you mentioned, this isn't a 1.8, it's not a VR, it's not a TDI. So nobody's really like going bonkers with modifying or customizing these engines. This is really, you know, for lack of a better word, this, this is the base engine, the pedestrian engine, uh, and has been for many, many, many years. If you're talking about the newest generation, it's pretty good. The things that I've ran into that the engine is really weird about, it's hypersensitive to fuel, fuel quality, right? Hypersensitive to fuel quality. If you're putting poor quality fuel, and I don't just mean like put 93 in it, if you get crappy fuel from crap, Crapco gas station down the road, um, it's probably gonna run very poorly. And we've seen this, we've witnessed this. In fact, I've had injectors gelled up due to poor quality fuel and make the car just act ridiculous. And this car was at our shop for a while, uh, even before I got a hold of it, it was for, there for a while, because we'd just never seen injectors gum up, especially on a two liter. Hypersensitive to fuel, make sure you're using good quality. Even if you don't put premium, use top tier fuel, that, that should help. And be careful of fuel treatments. I've actually seen these cars act really dumb by dumping a can of 44K in it when it had only about a quarter of a tank. So be careful with fuel treatments as well. They also go through ignition components really, really fast. Spark plugs, spark plug wires, and ignition coils. Uh, I don't think there's a Volkswagen ever built that had a perfect or great 
or even average quality ignition coil, those pretty much become maintenance parts. And I've replaced all three of those things multiple times on multiple two liters um, for various failures, you know, straight misfires, misfires under load, misfires when cold, misfires when hot. It really all depend on um, you know, what was going on. All those are really common. Minus that, minus fuel and ignition, feel like I'm going down a dark path here, but minus fuel and ignition, the engine's pretty good. It's, in my opinion, very underpowered, but VW base engines have always been underpowered. This is why I don't get worked up about the Atlas being underpowered and the Tiguan being underpowered. Um, and there was one other one that I think was the Torag. The Torag, I felt the V6 was pretty underpowered as well. I don't get worked up about it because all VW base engines are underpowered. I think the 1.4 probably does the best job of not being underpowered. But it's a good engine. Do the maintenance. Do the plugs before the recommended interval. I want to say at 60. I'd probably be doing plugs at 40 just because they do seem to wear out pretty quick. Use good fuel. Do the timing belt when it's due, which is, I don't know, 100K, 120K. Check your owner's manual for the exact date. And you should be fine. I've had very, very few issues with those minus those couple of things. They've been good. All right, last one of the day comes from Mike. Hey, Charles, Mike here. VR6 is sounding nice, by the way. It really does sound good. Way better than it does in the video. My question is, when I install the new mechatronics unit and put new DSG fluid in it, will I be able to turn the car on and cycle the gears to warm up the new fluid enough to properly check and drain the fluid level? After that, will I be able to limp it across the street to the dealer to get coated? Thanks for taking my question. You're the man. This is a 2007 Audi A3. I'm experiencing the classic mech failure, flashing Prindle of Doom, jerky clunky shifts, and much, much more. I've been getting a gear disengagement code on a park reverse failure only after driving long distance when the fluid has gotten really hot. Code is for 19143, or it's a P code that I actually deleted out of his question. <laughs> Sorry, Mike. I did the DSG fluid service and seemed to fix a problem for about a month, and it came back more frequent than ever. Looked around for a place that can repair the mech unit, but found the cost would be relatively the same. So I'm going to be ordering a brand new revised version from ECS. All right, Mike, before you order that mech unit, I hope that you see this. That code, that 1914.3 or the P code equivalent, um, if that's the only code you have, you need to stop and do some more research. There is a technical service bulletin. It's 30-14-3. There's a TSB for that exact fault and symptoms that you're describing. And it's not the mech unit. It's the clutch pack. This is more likely to be a clutch pack failure than a mech failure, especially because you're talking temperature differentials. Okay, the mech unit failure, to me, in my experience, has always seemed to happen all the time. If it's failing, it's gonna fail hot, it's gonna be cold, it doesn't get better or worse with any kind of temperature variation. It is what it is. On the flip side of that, when the clutch packs start to fail, it does seem to be dependent on temperature. It seems to be, like you mentioned, considerably worse when it's hot. The way I understand this failure and what's going on is it's actually debris in the clutches. The clutches aren't able to provide the clamping force. This is causing the fault for disengagement. This is causing higher temperatures. This is causing your transmission to be sad. So you might want to back up, check out that TSB. Again, it's TSB 30-14-03. They basically tell you to put a clutch pack and cover in it. Um, this is a lot more involved than doing a mech unit. Mech units are easy, right? Uh, dog bone comes out, swing the engine, pull the cover, pull the mech unit, drop the new one in, put it back together, fill it up, do your basic settings, and you're done. 
The clutch pack, on the other hand, is very much like doing a manual transmission clutch. Transmission comes out, uh, you turn it this way, you take the cover off, you take the pack, a little alien uh, UFO looking thing. Uh, if you're not sure what I'm talking about, Jason from Engineering Explained and I did a video all about the DSG. I'll try and find that and link that up for you. Check that out or just search DSG Explained and you'll find the video. You're going to take that out, you're going to put a new one in and do the clutches, right? It's, it's not hard. The only challenging part is you do need to take some measurements to make sure that the shim is the proper one to set the depth of that clutch pack. I think I've found exactly zero that I've replaced or seen replaced that actually required a different shim than the shim that came in it from the factory. They seem to be manufactured pretty good where you don't need to spend five hours doing the shim adjustment. It's just, you check it when you put it in. If it's close, like if it's right there or just out, you're fine. If it's way out, okay, now we need to, to look at getting the shims and re-shimming uh, the clutch pack, but you really probably aren't gonna have to do that. And then of course, put it back together. You're gonna wanna drain the fluid, do all new fluid again as well. So I was gonna say nothing needs to be coated. You don't need to take it to the dealership. That's on the VW side. On the Audi side, the mech unit is actually component protected on the newer stuff. I can't remember if the one you're talking about, because this is a pretty old car at this point, can't remember if that one needs to be coated or not. Because it's an A3, which is essentially the same as the Golf Beetle Jetta platform, I don't think it will. If you're doing the clutch pack, there should be no coating, only basic setting. Even with mech unit, I'm pretty sure you don't need to code yours. You just need to do basic setting. Now, the newest gen stuff, and even on the VW side, is component protected. It does need to be coded by the dealership. What you can do is you can call the local dealership and ask them if that one does on the Audi side. I don't think so, but either way, you'll probably be able to limp it if it's literally across the street. If across the street is 10 miles, I probably wouldn't do it. If it's 150, 200 feet, you're fine. In fact, you probably don't even need to worry about it. Set the fluid level, drive it across the street, and it'll be good. Um, that, that'll be no problem at all. It is best to do it before you do that, but you're supposed to have the engine up to temperature and the fluid up to temp anyway before doing the basic setting, and they can always redo it if things get squirrely. If you were installing a brand new transmission, you wouldn't need to do any of that stuff at all, minus perhaps doing the uh, component protection, which is Essentially, you're dialing up the mothership to unlock the TCM, or in this case, the mech unit. So do do a little bit of research, please, before you spend the big dollars on a mech unit. Do some research. If you have other faults, the other faults do need to be diagnosed first, then that TSB might not apply, but search that TSB out, get all the information from it, and, and see if your car applies to that. I'd hate for you to spend all that money on a mech unit and still have the issues that you have now um, when, when VW, when Audi says, hey, here's a problem. The other thing I would do, man, is I would call my local dealership with your VIN and ask them if there's a warranty extension. There's a lot of these that are still under a 10-year, 120K DSG warranty. So before I did any of that, right? I hope you listened to this whole question. <laughs> before you did any of that, call your dealership and see if you're still under warranty extension because if you are, I wouldn't spend a nickel. Take it in, get it fixed. It should be under warranty if it's covered. If it's the component that's failed that's covered and you still have the extension, it's still covered, hopefully. Then you can get it all done for free and you don't have to worry about a thing. All right, guys, great questions. Thank you so much. Keep them coming again. Charles at HumbleMechanic.com. Question for Charles in the subject. Ask question. Give me the details down below. That's whether you're watching or listening. With that, if you want to listen to these shows, 
hit them up on iTunes, on Stitcher, on Google, or you can just go to humblemechanic.com, mash the audio button up in the top right, and hit play on whatever episode you want to hear. If you have questions or comments, you know what to do. If you like the video, thumbs up. Always appreciate that. If you're listening and like the show, head over to iTunes and leave it a review. Five stars is awesome. Three stars is fine. One star, well, if that's what you got to do, go for that. Remember, if you want exclusive content discounts you can't get anywhere else to places like Eurowise, Petrol Box, Adams Polishes, Eastwood, and more, check out the crew membership program. You can also support the show on Patreon, throw a dollar or two that way, or the easiest and freest way is use my Amazon link. Click the link down below for Amazon. Buy whatever you were going to buy anyway. It costs you zero extra dollars, and I get a touch of credit just for you clicking that link. Always appreciate all of that stuff. Remember to follow me on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and of course on Snapchat. All right, guys, thank you so much for watching. Thank you so much for listening, and I will see you next time.